sticking to sports, well, it's like I, I stick to life. And this is a guy that picks up five plus yards pretty much every time he gets the football over the course of his two and a half seasons in the league. I look at them as people who just happen to play football. They're people first. Welcome into the lounge. Coming off that big win in Washington. Uh, we're we're going to take a look in this podcast episode at kind of the issues surrounding this team at the quarter mark. We're about a month in. Uh, Ravens are sitting at 3-1. and one. It's a very good spot to be in right now. So we're going to take a look at... Uh, you know, what's going on with this team, what they could be doing better, what they're doing really well, get to your emails, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, it's been an interesting start to the season um, and sitting at 3-1, and one, that's better than where the Ravens were at the start at this point last year. They were 2-2 two and two at this point last year, and if you were to go back, I think a lot of people were feeling like at that time, oh, man, this team, this team's not that good. They just lost to the Browns, which was, which was such a disappointing loss. Oh, man, this, this team's not, not for real. They need to make major changes. And then all of a sudden they go and they rattle, rattle off 12 straight wins. So could this team put up 12 straight wins from here? Sure, absolutely. I can totally see it. And I definitely think uh, these next few weeks are going to be um, an opportunity for them to, to put up some wins, um, starting, up, starting with this week uh, against Cincinnati. So um, – Let's start. I want to. My biggest question for you off the top here is where this team stands right now. Are they where you expected them to be in terms of what you see? And I don't just mean record wise, because I think a mm-hmm. lot of us probably would have looked at these first four games and probably said three and one, you know, knowing right. that it's going to be tough to beat the Chiefs. But what you're actually seeing, the eye test, um, are they better? Are they where you expected them to be? Like, where does this team stack up against what your expectations were? Well, I'll start by saying um, it's only natural to compare this team to last year's team, right? I mean, it's just what human beings do. Is that fair? No, not really. You know, I mean, every, every team is different. Uh, you know, you undergo changes in the offseason. Obviously, this offseason was a very different offseason in terms of COVID and all the time missed and whatnot. Uh, you know, the Ravens have a number of new pieces, a bunch of new pieces, both on offense and defense. Um, so, it's not fair to compare it to last year, but you're asking me to compare it. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that the offense is not as explosive as it was last year so far. Uh, not quite as impressive. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, the running game isn't as, hasn't been quite as dominant. Now you look at the yards per carry and uh, it's good. I mean, Gus Edwards is third in the NFL, you know, Lamar Jackson is fourth. <laughs> so, um, but the eye test tells me teams are bottling up Lamar a little bit more on the run. You know, he gashed them for the 50 yarder, but outside of that, that's a big one to take away. Yeah. Equation, but we always joke about that. That's always yeah. one of my favorite games. So if you take that one away. Yeah. Yeah. We, if, if he took away that 80 yard run that Derrick Henry had in the playoffs, he wouldn't have ran for anything. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's just a lot. Lamar's been bottled up a lot. Uh, so that's been different, obviously. And I think that he started off really hot throwing the ball against the Browns and he threw the ball well against Houston. And everybody was, you know, talking about, Oh my gosh, how Lamar's made such strides in his accuracy and reading defenses. And, you know, from a passing standpoint, it looked like, all right, here we go. We're picking up right where we left off last year, if not better. And now, you know, it was just a dud, just a complete dud all the way around against the chiefs. And that has certainly skewed the stats. Um, 
And then, you know, it wasn't, it was hit or miss against Washington. It's just, you don't expect to see from an offense that finished second in the league in yards per game last year to be sitting at 31st, you know, in the passing attack. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's surprising. Uh, you know, I, I would say the eye test is, has not been quite as rosy as last season. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise to me has been the struggle in running the football. I've just felt like no matter what, and 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 struggle. You, the team is what fourth right now, I believe, in in yards per game. Well, running it's the second football, in so. yards per carry, five point four is second to the Browns. It's it's really just right. that they're not running it nearly as much as they did last year. That's the big thing. Yeah, and. But then in terms of just overall ranking right now, uh, sorry, sorry, third in the NFL right now in terms of where they rank uh, as a rushing offense in yards per game, which, like, no, if if you're ranked third in the league, most teams wouldn't be complaining about that. It's just, again, comparing it to Historic. last year, the team set records in terms of how, how well they ran the football. But I do think that has been surprising to me. And one thing that I, it seems to me is when Lamar would get around the edge last year, it seemed like that was eight. Eight yards right. minimum, just as right. a starting point. You're starting with eight yards. And now it just seems like teams are forcing him to get wider and wider and wider, and then all of a sudden he's running you know, basically all the way out to the edge and picking right. up two, picking up three. And that, to me, is one big difference that I've seen. Certainly, I think we knew that, that you know the offensive line was going to be a bit of a – it's going to be a challenge to replace Marshall Yonda, to put it completely you know, mildly. <laughs> that is That was a – a challenge that we all knew, especially then when you get a guy in Tyree Phillips who played left tackle in college um, and had to switch from tackle to guard and go from the left side to right side and fill in there and make, you know, step in the starting lineup as a rookie. That is not an easy task. You got Matt Skurr coming back from a major knee injury sooner than anybody expected, but he gets thrown out there. Um, and then last week you're playing without your all pro left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, maybe the best left tackle in the game. So, um, those are some serious challenges for the offensive line. Um, and then on the passing game, yeah, like when you open the season, you beat the Browns 38-6, to um, and it looked so easy, so smooth. I think the feeling was like, all right, pick it up right where you left off. It's just going to be the only I, – actually, I, I should actually amend that. More than pick it up where you left off, the passing game has now become even more elevated this season. Like that was my feeling coming out, coming out of week one is that Lamar looks so good as a mm-hmm. passer, um, and so maybe even that set a little bit of unrealistic mm-hmm. expectations. Um, what's your feeling as to why the deep ball, the deep, the deep passing game hasn't clicked yet? Because that's one area where we spent a ton of time talking about it, but it just hasn't like it hasn't like totally hit yet. They've had some opportunities, but it just it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they didn't really throw the ball deep all that much against the Chiefs. Um, You know, I think I want to say that they they hit one against the Browns. Uh, Hollywood had a long one. Uh, Yeah, but I I, I honestly think the Chiefs, the Chiefs game was just horrible all the way around. I mean, I think they just it, it reminded me so much of the Titans playoff game. They were off kilter from the start, never really found their their footing. you know, I think that's something that Lamar's going to have to prove. Like when he gets off to a rough start, you got to find a way to come back from that. And and he did it somewhat in the Titans playoff game last year. Uh, you know, he kind of rallied late in that game, put him on the shoulders. He did it against the Chiefs in the second regular season loss to them. But you know, 
he's got to get over some of those slow starts. And I, I, I just kind of feel like, you know, there's a lot of pressure now to hit those deep shots. I think he's putting a lot on his shoulders to, to connect on those balls and, and just not kind of gripping and ripping. That's my, that's my non-scientific right. answer to that. Cause I don't think there's anything wrong mechanically or anything like that. We've seen Lamar hit those passes time and time again. I think that he just, when their opportunities are there and he sees it, I don't know if it's just tightening up a little bit or, or what. I just don't feel like he's kind of feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. I mean, also I always, I always do kind of laugh at like, why is the deep passing game not working? Like the deep passing game is kind of like, I mean, it's not this, this big of a stretch, but it's kind of like hitting a half court shot in the NBA. It's like, why haven't you been hitting many half-court <laughs> shots yet? Super deep threes. Like, it's just hard. It's just the so deep passing lower game. Percentage. There's a lot that needs to go into that. It's a lower percentage mm-hmm. shot. Uh, why haven't you been holding out from the fairway? Like, because that's a hard <laughs> thing to do. Um, so, like, th- I always think that that is something that's worth noting. Um, you know, I think one thing that's interesting is, like, we all had really big expectations and still do for Hollywood coming into this year and the workout videos and all that. Well, and he had a great um, camp. I think teams have been – he had a great camp. Uh, then he, yeah, I just think that for all those reasons, you just felt like this guy's going to have a huge year, and he is on track to be right around a thousand yards. I think we both said over on mm-hmm. that. I still think we're going over. Um, but but I do think that defenses are paying more attention to him, and he's getting more of that safety help over the top, which makes it more challenging uh, for defenses uh, or for him. Um, you know, so I think that that's a, a piece of the equation. Um, and I also just think that, like, it's not always going to look easy. And I'm looking at the schedule right now. The Ravens have won by 14 points. They've won by uh, quick math. Uh, quick 17 math. points. Yeah, 17 points, and they won by 32 points. Okay, so those are the three yeah. wins this year. So so as much as we're sitting here saying, ah, they could fix this, they could fix that, the offensive line, the run game's not great, the deep passing game's not great, that's a lot of points they're putting up and they're winning by. So yes, they did lose to the Chiefs. They looked off kilter. That was a that was a bad game all the way around. But I am I still think that this team is absolutely one of the best four teams in the NFL, and uh, is right behind the Chiefs in the AFC. That's why I mean, I the Titans are there before obviously the COVID stuff with them. Uh, the Steelers are there, but we're going to find out week seven between the Ravens and the Steelers. I think the Ravens are still better than the mm-hmm. Steelers. Like I I watch those teams in the eye test. I still think the Ravens yeah. are better than the Steelers. Even though you know you know I'm always scared of the Steelers. <laughs> I'm scared of the Steelers. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I I just think that let's you know what let's jump into this question from Will Saunders because he's uh, he's I think feeling the same thing here. He says, "All right, three and one at the quarter mark. I'm not sure if you're feeling it, but there seems to be a lot of negativity about a three and one football team. Just listening and reading yep. comments. The Ravens can't run, can't pass, have the worst pass rush. Sorry, offensive line and linebackers are lost in coverage. Wow, have we become spoiled?" What's happening to peaking at the end of the season? Sorry for bet- venting, but here's my question. Do you agree that uh, we have to find a way to defend the wide receiver rub routes against our man-to-man defense? And did Justin Matabike have knee surgery? Uh, so let's focus on the... the... Well, there was like, he, so here's my question, then he asked like four <laughs> questions. Uh, to, the, to the big question of have we become spoiled, I think that's what we're talking about. Yes. I think last season has spoiled us and made us think that the Ravens because I do think personnel wise, they're better than they were last year. When you just look at who's on the field. Uh, but I think to expect the Ravens to be playing like they were playing at the end of last season and expect them to be playing that way in early October 
is too much, especially after uh, COVID altered off season. That, that your expectations, I think, are too high. Uh, so this team's playing winning football, and that's what matters yep. most. Uh, so I, I think that this team will continue to improve. You know, I'm not worried about Lamar Jackson. Not, not worried about the MVP. I think he's going to be just fine. It was two weeks ago we were all talking about how much better his accuracy is. Two, two weeks, <laughs> you know. So, right, uh, you know, right. and Lamar, sure, did he have a did he have a great game against the against Washington? No, but I'll tell you what, a couple of those plays, the the touchdown pass, both of them to Mark Andrews, and the one where he rolled out his to the right and flicked that ball to Hollywood Brown for what was what was about a inch away from a third touchdown pass. Those were ridiculous plays, let alone the 50-yard touchdown. I mean, <laughs> come right. on. So I, I, I'm not worried about Lamar. He's going to be fine. This team's going to get better. You know, if, we're, if we want to talk about things that I think I am concerned about over the long haul. Hold on. Before you do that, okay, before yes. you do that, let's take, let's take okay, a, let's take a thank quick you for break. Me. And when we come back... When we come back, we'll hear what you're concerned about. This season, when you trade up to Ram Trucks, you're getting power, luxury, and technology like you never imagined. You don't become the back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year for nothing. And with the Ram 1500, you can get a lot of everything. Rear legroom, a reconfigurable center console. It's all available now, plus you get a lot more storage. Or you could also trade up to the Ram 3500 and get 410 standard horsepower in a gas engine. For these great deals, and to find out more, go to Ram.com today. All right, so now we're back. So wait, before again, before we get into what you're concerned about, yeah. one other thing: the question here about Justin Matabike, rookie defensive lineman, oh. who's been out uh, since an injury in training camp. Did he have knee surgery? I'm not sure if he had knee surgery, but he's been practicing the past couple of weeks. And Coach Harbaugh said that he's been close. So I don't think that he had knee surgery. I mean, it's not like he had an ACL tear or anything like that. So uh, maybe we get to see him make his debut yeah. this week. Um, and I, I am excited to see him play. But he's been practicing. He was a full participant yeah. this and week. We'll also ask um, about the wide receiver rub routes. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's the Ravens are alone in having trouble defending that route. It's a tough one if offenses can yeah. execute it. Really, I think the Ravens uh, needs to do a little bit be- better job against screens. They they've had a tough time against against screens the past two games. Antonio Gibson from Washington got them. The Chiefs get everybody with their screens because they're track team out there um, and have so much motion and movement. It's just it's hard to defend. Um, but anyway, just to put a cap on Will's question. All right. Now things that I am concerned about. I, I am a little bit concerned about the pass rush. Okay. Right. I, I, I well, you know, we and I both wanted, uh, if you go back, we were both talking about Clowney for multiple times during the off season. Uh-huh. So it's not exactly like that's necessarily hey, maybe Clowney. No, oh, no, never mind. I'm not going to go down that road. So you look at it <laughs> and the Ravens have nine sacks this year, which is middle of the pack, middle of the pack. We're not talking, the Panthers have three. <laughs> All right. So, right, right. Uh, you know, but the, the Steelers have 15 and the Eagles have 17. So anyway, they're middle of the pack and, and they've been dialing up blitzes like they have last year. You know, they blitz more than any team in the NFL. Judon just got off, you know, got his first two of the season. Jalen Ferguson got his first. I'm a little concerned from what I've seen, you know, I, Jalen Ferguson, I think, needs to have a big, big year, too. 
Ty Spouser's doing all right. He's bringing some heat, but I just think that they're not they're not getting enough pressure. I thought they were going to get after Dwayne Haskins more than they did, even, and and, and they still got what four sacks on him. Right. I I thought they were going to get after him even more. Uh, Mahomes, he he's a magician at avoiding the pressure, fading all those fadeaway throws he had were just ridiculous. He seemed to know where the blitz was. Stop bringing up that game. Oh I don't gosh, even want to think ridiculous. about that game. I still have nightmares. Um, I just think that the Ravens' pass rush could use some help, and if the Ravens are going to make a move, a trade deadline move, I think that's where they, they do it. Right. You know, what I am a little bit surprised with, and, and I think Calais Campbell's been playing great, but he hasn't really gotten to the quarterback. Uh, you know, he hasn't gotten to the quarterback much. The only guys with multiple sacks on this team, Judon got two last week. Tyus Bowser uh, has two as well. Um, but Calais Campbell has only one sack. So I was wondering, you know, now look, there's still plenty of season left, but that was, we haven't seen him get to the quarterback. And I think the way that, um, I thought could happen, certainly still plenty of time for that to be the case. Um, so that's, I guess one thing that it has surprised me a little bit. And then, yeah, Ferguson, he's kind of like flown under the radar. Like no one has really talked about him Mm -hmm. all that much. But I I agree with you. Like he needs to be a guy as a third round pick in the second season that needs to get to the quarterback. He needs to get sack production. Um, the Ravens are counting on him to do so. So, and and I again, can I just say I think that the prediction that we've talked about multiple times uh, over the course of this off season that Tyus Bowser is going to put up some sack numbers and get paid from somebody mm-hmm. this off season. I think it's looking like it's going to happen. Yeah. He's got two sacks. He's on pace. You know, so if he were to get in that eight to ten range, which I think he mm-hmm. certainly will. Um, He's going to get a nice yeah. contract come this now, way. You know, the Ravens are, like, making big plays on defense. It's not like sacks are, like, the only measuring stick of, of what a good defense is or even rush. You know, they're getting quarterback hits, and those are great. You know, pressure causes uh, incompletions. It causes turnovers. You know, the Ravens have, have done pretty well. They've done really well in the turnover department. Part of that is just because Marlon Humphrey keeps ripping the ball out of everybody's hands. They have, they have <laughs> right. two picks in four games this season, so not lighting the world on, in terms of, interceptions but fumbles i mean marlon humphrey is just he's unreal it was the th- crazy thing about marlon is like is like and this is i understand why this is the case but there's so much attention pointed on uh interceptions for cornerbacks that's just natural like i get that but the f- force fumble is just as valuable and he's coming up with a ton of those he's got six force turnovers uh during the ravens current 17 game turnover yeah. streak so the ravens have forced a turnover in 17 straight games that's the best mark active streak yep. in the nfl they've got 29 turnovers in those 17 games and in the of those 29 marlin's got six of them and mp juice man he's got five of them he's got five of them so marlin and marcus in that secondary are just incredible at forcing takeaways and uh that's a big reason why the Ravens are sitting here at three and one right now. All right, so I I also want to hit on this because it's fans' favorite subject to discuss. Uh, what do you think of the Ravens' running back rotation and what it should be? Hmm. <laughs> this is, I think that this is one of the tougher. I don't want to call it a dilemma because it's not a dilemma to have have multiple good players, but I think the hot hand thing always sounds good. Like I think that that is always. We'll ride the hot hand, but sometimes, 
and we used to joke about this when when Terrence West would talk about how he's not really a rotational back. You know, he's not. He, he yeah, likes Terrence to get West fed. Is like, look, he, I start popping carries when I'm thirty plus. Okay, so you got you, <laughs> need, you got to get me to the get first twenty nine. I'm telling you, on the thirtieth, I'm going to pop this thing. <laughs> yeah. So so some guys talk like that, and it always makes me laugh. But I do think that there is something to be said for getting into a rhythm as a, ru- a running back. And running backs often talk about that. Like, T. West wasn't the only guy <laughs> who, who said those types of things. So no one's really getting into a rhythm because you're spreading it out so much. And they're, they're switching guys out multiple times on series. Um, and, you know, you, your leading ball carrier might have eight mm. carries. Um, and so it's tough to kind of find the hot, I just think it's tougher to find a hot hand than the Ravens, like than anyone is admitting. And when you're, especially when you're mm-hmm. rotating three guys in there, not just yeah. two guys in there. Well, it's really um, four guys because Lamar's running the ball a decent amount. Oh, well, yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm just talking yeah. obviously strictly about running back. Um, so with all that said, I, I, I do like Greg Roman's analogy for Gus Edwards as the closer. Um, you know, but sometimes you bring the closer in in the eighth, you know, in the seventh, <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and uh, I wonder if I would. I guess I would like to see a little bit more of the bus. That is one thing I would say. He's averaging six yards a carry, and he's at, he averaged more than five yards a carry, or right around five yards a carry, his first two mm-hmm. NFL seasons. So it's not like this is an anomaly that he had one good game. I mean, this is a guy that picks up five plus yards pretty much every time he gets the football over the course of his. Two and a half seasons yeah. in the league, so I think I would like to see him get some more run. I I love J.K. too, and Ingram I really like too. But I I just think that from what I've seen so far, Gus seems like the best the best yeah. of the bunch, and I think that he's deserving of you know a larger piece of yeah. the pie. I, I think what's interesting is the Ravens, uh, just their approach. Like I think people are are saying like you know they're not running the ball as much as last year. Right. And uh, obviously last year they led the league in attempts by a wide margin. I think it was they they had 98 more rushing attempts than the Seahawks. I mean, that's like four games, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, or three games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this year, the Ravens are currently running the ball the sixth most 120 attempts is sixth most in the NFL. Uh, so that's that's a change. So you're like, well. That are they just passing the ball a lot? Are they passing the ball too much? The Ravens ranked 31st in passing attempts. 101. Right, right, right. right? That's one more than the Vikings right. at 100. Uh, yeah. They have fewer passing attempts than Tennessee Titans who have had a bye. <laughs> right, right. <You> know? <laughs> right. So they just don't have many right. offensive plays. Well, part of that is because they just don't have yes. any offensive plays. The Chiefs game went crazy. Um, and then they've had some of these ser- – they had a – also in the Chiefs game, they have a kickoff return for a right. touchdown. Um, and they've had some short field situations because yep. of all those turnovers that we were just talking about. So there haven't been that many offensive plays to do, which leads to yep. fewer yards. Uh, so that's part of the deal. But like, like we're talking about, it's not like you would prefer to have more plays. Hey, can we get some more plays? Don't give me the ball on a short field. I want to get some more plays yeah. for the offense here. So having fewer plays isn't always a, a bad thing, but I do think that is part of the issue when you look at just those right. raw numbers. You know, let, well, we want more plays, not more points, you know? I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's because, yeah. let's be honest here, the Ravens right now are 7th in the league in scoring points per game, 30.5. 30. The last time I checked, Garrett, that's a matter's missed. 
Yeah, again, they won by 32 points, 17 points, 14 points. So, hey, did you know hey, did you, we buried the lead on what's, this episode? What's that? By the way, did you know that we've got a new sponsor? Is it act? It, it's active did you know now? This? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Crown Royal. Crown Royal is a new sponsor of the lounge. Oh, oh I have some right. Wait, I have some I, on my shelves here in my basement. <laughs> Uh, but Crown Royal wants to remind you to take a water break and moderate your drinking. Stay hydrated. Stay royal. Crown Royal Canadian Whiskey. So we are going to take uh, – so now rather than taking a break, what we're going to do now is welcome in a guest. Um, and that is a man who the Lounge listeners know well. Um, and that's a man with his own podcast these days. Cliff Brown has gone big time. So let's go ahead and welcome in Clifton Brown. Well, now we're thrilled to bring in our guy – Clifton Brown, a.k.a. Clifton. <laughs> it's been a while, Cliff, since I did that. It feels good. <laughs> I, miss, I, miss, I miss it, Ryan. I hate to admit it, but. <laughs> do, you miss me? do you miss me, Cliff, not being in the office, both of us together? All the commentary that you hear back and forth between Garrett and I? Most of it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. The thing that I think I miss the most with – us all not being in the office together is the Monday oh, morning quarterback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's always good. Oh, I mean, yes. well, first thing, you I come mean, in, you break out the schedule, and then start going through the wins losses. Yeah, exactly. So so after the first two games, I mean, that was a size them up. Size them up uh, conversation. Book, size them up. Booked the, booked the trip to the Super Bowl. Got the flights ready. And then after the Chiefs, that was that was that, the that was what, that where, was, where, know, where, What island in the Caribbean are you going to in January? <laughs> so now after the win back back to uh back to basically you know got a date with the chiefs in the afc championship that's, that's right. where i am right now so uh yeah so it changes dramatically but i i cliff do you miss those monday mornings? i do they're funny i mean uh <laughs> we we should record them really that would be a show of its own i mean i think this is hilarious we're we criticize we criticize the fans for doing that and then we do it ourselves <laughs> exactly yeah oh for sure. I mean, not to go completely off track here, but that basically, if you go back in time, was the genesis of the lounge, is that people would walk around and hear those conversations between Ryan and I taking place, and they said, you guys should record these, and we should do a podcast with this. And That's that was true. how it started. There you go. Well, speaking of new podcasts, Cliff's got his own podcast here, Black in the NFL, which launched on Tuesday. And I'm telling you, it is a must-listen for all fans, not just Ravens fans. Uh, tell your fan, your friends and family who aren't Ravens fans about this podcast because it's really important conversations that uh, everybody should be having, and, and that's why we wanted to bring on Cliff today. So, Cliff, can you just talk a little bit about why you wanted to do this podcast, Black in the NFL? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Plug that pod, Ryan. Way to go. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I wanted to do it, uh, I think, for kind of obvious reasons that there's so much going on right now in our country that I feel people are talking about, need to talk about, and discuss and think about more. And it's funny that you and I had a conversation about maybe me possibly having a podcast. I want to say it was like late February, um, right after last season ended. And then so many things, unfortunately, some tragic things have happened in our country with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Bobby Blasey since then. And then it's just how the urgency in our minds to try and really try and undertake this despite COVID, despite really at some points not even knowing if there would be a season. We just felt like it was really important 
for our listeners to have this vehicle and for our players and other people on the podcast to be able to express what they want to talk about regarding racial injustice uh, and social issues. So I'm really excited after just one episode, the feedback uh, that we've been getting. I, I really am encouraged that we have kind of hit a note with people uh, that we've struck a chord uh, with people wanting to listen and certainly we're going to try and build on that momentum. For sure. For sure. So, yeah. So Cliff, you know, the first episode uh, came out this week and uh, really, you know, great guests. You start with Robert Griffin, the uh, third Dr. Uh, Harry Edwards and uh, Nate Boyer, uh, former NFL player in green beret. Um, tell us what you've got coming down the pike over the course of the uh, entire first Yeah, season. well, the next episode is going to be entitled to kneel or not to kneel. Uh, and we're going to take a deep dive into that issue, which continues now. We've obviously seen more players kneeling this year than ever before. And more importantly, to me, the reaction to that and the discussions behind that have changed dramatically than in 2016 when Colin Kaepernick began doing this and really was kind of a lone wolf out there really getting hammered and even his message being hijacked. Now, I think, I don't think I know more players feel comfortable kneeling, but why exactly are they doing it? What do they want to get out of it? Uh, There are also some players who still aren't kneeling. Why are they taking that position? Uh, And how do they feel about that? in a climate where the atmosphere has changed. So we're going to have Calais Campbell on who, when the Ravens played uh, Jacksonville in 2017, he was in Jacksonville. Calais knelt on one sideline. Uh, Matthew Judon will also be on the next episode who obviously knelt for the Ravens, but their viewpoints are different. Even though they were kneeling, they had different reasons behind it. So that those are two aspects of the, of the story that to me, kind of need to be told. So I hope people listen in uh, and also, again, kind of keep an open mind about, you know, things that are going on that even though we may disagree, it's important for these discussions to be had. Well, I think one cool thing mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. this podcast, too, is is that we're going to take kind of a, a macro look at uh, what it's what it means to be black in the NFL in terms of, you know, talking about police brutality. Uh, talking about how politics and, uh, you know, it's kind of interwoven with who a player is and and how they kind of uh, reconcile uh, their political stances, Uh, you know, and and then talking about also the NFL aspect of what it's like to be a a black quarterback in the NFL and what comes with that, you know, about being on the cutting edge. The Ravens obviously hired the first general manager in uh, NFL history, black general manager in NFL history and Ozzie Newsom and kind of being on the cutting edge of that, but there's still being kind of this uh, glass ceiling to a large degree. You know, we don't have a lot of black coaches. There's not a lot of black front office executives. The Ravens have kind of been a rare team in terms of their uh, black representation in, in important uh, positions in this franchise. So I think it's kind of looking at it from a, a, a wider sense of what's going on in the country and what our players feel about that and how it affects them. And then also specifically their jobs in the NFL. Absolutely. Well said, Ryan. I mean, I want this podcast to be something that anyone could, could get something out of it. Uh, even if 
if you didn't, don't really follow football closely, certainly uh, whether you're black or white and what age you are, I wanted to appeal to all segments of society. I feel like, you know, um, I was fortunate, I believe, growing up, uh, I mentioned this before, that my high school graduating class was so close to being 50-50 uh, between black and white that I'd have to sit down and look at my yearbook to figure out if we had more white students or black students mm -hmm. in my high school graduating class. And I think that was an interesting and valuable way for me to grow up, that I was exposed when it came to blacks and whites to a wide variety of people. And I was raised and experienced that there's so much more, the similarities between us and differences. And I didn't realize a lot of people didn't grow up the way I grew up until I got away from my background in Philadelphia and got out into the world where I would talk to a lot of people, black people who grew up in predominantly black society or, or environments and white people who didn't have that much exposure to black people. And I think it really shaped some of their viewpoints in ways where they didn't know a lot about how other people lived. And so they weren't maybe as naturally inclusive as someone who grew up differently. So I would definitely want this to be an inclusive podcast. Uh, I believe in unity. Uh, there's too much divisiveness in this country, far too much, not enough listening, in my opinion. So I think this is a vehicle for maybe eyes and, and minds to be open. Well, Cliff, you, you've been doing this a long time, obviously, uh, and you've seen the sports landscape change so much over time. How have you seen it change for black athletes? And, and where do you feel like we still, you know, in, in listening to these players, even just so far in your interviews, uh, you know, where do we need to go? Well, I mean, for black athletes and all athletes, once they get to the NFL level, they're living to me in, in a world that is, is, can be a lot different than the so-called average person. Yet, once they leave the arena, they're just human beings. You know, they have families, uh, they have relatives, and they have the same dreams that we all have. And I think right now, what is different than maybe even a few years ago is that, A, I think that more black athletes are willing to speak out uh, and thinking about ways to use their platform to affect positive change. I also believe that they feel that it's part of what they should be doing. Um, I just feel that with what's going on in the country now, everyone's taking a harder look at, you know, whether they can make a difference. The Ravens have always been involved in the community since the franchise's inception. And I just sense from players that they want to be heard more than ever before. And some of the conversations they've had with their families or with teammates, now they're more willing to share them with other people. And Cliff, the last question that I have about this is just what kind of reaction have you gotten from the conversations that you've had with players? Um, obviously, when they do this, when they have this do this interview with you, it's it's a much different interview, certainly than if they're coming on the lounge, um, and, and really just in general, um, you know, it's a much different conversation and really thoughtful conversations. I mean, I think that that clearly comes across um, in the first episode, and I'm sure it will be throughout the, the course of the entire podcast. But what has the feedback been that well, you've gotten from players? You know, when the when the idea 
Ken first came that I was going to do this, I actually heard from a couple of players, even before they heard the podcast, were happy that I was going to do it and that they would have a chance to be involved. I haven't talked to a large segment of players on the Ravens about the reaction they've gotten as far as listening to the first episode. But I do believe, and just from listening to their own comments about, you know, the, the meetings they've had and, you know, the video we posted of the team meeting this summer, that, again, this, these are things they want to talk about. Um, it's on their minds when, um, you know, Breonna Taylor, her situation when police officers don't get charged uh, with the George Floyd murder, uh, you can tell that athletes now are thinking about these things all the time, just like we all are. And again, they're in a position to really have some influence uh, with their money, their time, and their efforts that a lot of us don't have that platform. So again, I wanted to have them have an opportunity to use this as a platform, as well as for us to inform people and to really make people think about these issues. All right, here's my last question, Cliff. What, what do you say to fans or, or listeners who say, who see this, they say, stick to sports, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've been hearing that a lot. Uh, my whole life, actually, if you if you express an opinion about anything other than than sports, but sp- sticking to sports, well, it's like I, I stick to life. My my <laughs> response would be like, I stick to life. Uh, these issues definitely matter to me. Um, athletes, as I mentioned before, they're people. I don't when I walk in the locker room, I don't look at guys who who are football players. I look at them as people who just happen to play football. They're people first. And if you can't, you can't really separate, separate the two to me. Not when, as soon as you leave the parking lot, uh, you're no longer, you know, playing football. You're living your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, athletes spend way more time living life than they do playing games. And so, yeah, if, if you want to just stick to sports, I guess you can, but none of us just stick to whatever we do. Uh, and it, this, is, this is too important. Uh, as much as I love sports, I'm more worried about the welfare of my family. Uh, I have two children, you know, my son, my daughter. When my son gets in the car to drive, I'm more worried about what's going to happen to him uh, in, in that venue than I am about him when he's watching a football game. So, yeah, I just feel that it's too important to just stick to sports. I feel that, you know, I have a contribution that hopefully I can make having been in this business so long, knowing as many people as I do. I always ask people to be honest with me. I got to challenge myself. You know, what am I going to do? So when I look in the mirror, you know, I want to feel good about what I'm trying to do to make things better. And having a podcast like this is one way I can try and do that. Well, that's great. Well, sports and sports and this kind of stuff, uh, social justice and politics, they've been mixed for a long time. So this is nothing new, but I love that, that you're shedding a light on it, shining a light on it, and, uh, and, and trying to move us forward with these really enlightening conversations. And Cliff, you're doing an awesome job. So for all you listeners out there, you can find Black in the NFL wherever you get your podcast. Just search Black in the NFL. And, uh, and please subscribe. Send it to your friends, your families. Your enemies. Heck, send it to everybody. <laughs> it might even be more fun to send it to your enemies. Um, so send it to everybody you know. And, and if you got some time, leave a rating and review for Cliff. All right, Cliff, you already got my five stars. You know that. 
Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> I like I like I like all these fake names I'm saying too with friends, you know, giving ratings. Man. Yeah, everyone in your family, you, you just right. you just know the name. You can you start start picking them out. No, I've done that on the lounge reviews. I'm like, I know who that is. I right. know who that is. <laughs> right. Right. Well, thanks a lot, Cliff. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. With every new season, there's new challenges to overcome. And Ram trucks are built to crush every single one of them. They're powerful, dependable. They're the back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. But beneath that hardened exterior, the Ram 1500 offers a standard of comfort with rear legroom designed for a comfortable lead. And the available rear auto-leveling air suspension found in the Ram 3500 is beyond smooth. So for big cash allowances and exceptional lease offers, go to Ram.com today. All right, so big thanks to Cliff. Um, again, go ahead and check out that podcast. He's He's been working tirelessly on it, so I'm um, really happy for him, and um, I hope that you enjoy it. So, All right, so make this week's game, uh, I think um, you know the biggest question to some degree, Lamar Jackson hasn't practiced Wednesday mm-hmm. or Thursday. Um, fingers crossed at, you know, that, that he'll be able to go. Um, can the Ravens win this game even if he's not oh, out there? Oh, my. Oh, doom and gloom scenario here you're giving me uh i mean yes the ravens can win the game if he's not out there i don't think that will be the case i think lamar will be out there but yeah of course they can i mean you can run the ball uh i think the bengals uh are a team that the ravens are going to test them on the ground they have a pretty they have a good secondary they have some talented players in that secondary um i think the ravens are going to run the ball a little bit so that wouldn't change um now, of course, when you don't have Lamar on the field, the threat, it's just the threat of him uh, affects the way the defenses play. But sure, yes, of course, the Ravens can win this game. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. This is going to be a good game. I-, I really think, you know, the Bengals are what? One, two, and one. I think they're a good team. And I think they're better than even maybe their record shows right now. Uh, yeah, their their losses, their two losses are by a combined yeah. eight points. So they're good been team. In games. Joe Burrow looks good. Yeah, the Ravens' pass rush needs to dial it up because that's really been their offense's issue. Is they are giving up a lot of sacks, uh, especially through the first three games they did. Joe Burrow was taking a ton of hits. So the Ravens' pass rush needs to get after the rookie. Uh, but you know they have weapons. Joe Mixon, of course, heated up at just the wrong time, just before facing the Ravens, he goes off. He's a phenomenal back. Of course, we all know A.J. Green, uh, Tyler Boyd. I mean, they have T. Higgins. So they have a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a good game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. But even with that said, even with that said, I still think the Ravens come out of, come out of this. They're a 14-point oh. favorite. Um, I, I think that – I think that – Maybe it ends up feeling close at times, but I think the Ravens end up winning this game still by two scores. So um, so that's it for this week's episode. But for everyone, make sure you email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you next week after. Big win.